Hello, and welcome to the Calm Scholar Podcast. I am your host, Alexander Evangelista. Today, we meet with Natalia. Natalia is one of our coaches who specializes in working with stress and anxiety. Natalia shares her signature approach to helping people relate to their emotional selves in an entirely new and nurturing way. She also shares her own experiences with anxiety and how this process changed her life, as well as the lives of many clients who have come to her seeking support and relief. We hope you enjoy, and be sure to stick around for the meditation at the end. If you're interested in working with Natalia, you can check us out at calmscholar.com. All right. Welcome, Natalia, to our Calm Scholar podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, it's uh, very pleasant to see your smiling face. And, you know, you've been a really important part of Calm Scholar and over the past few months. And I've been really excited for this chance to just sit down with you, talk a little bit, get to know you better. And for anyone listening along as well, for them to have a better understanding of you, the type of work you do, and you know, the type of meditation and mindfulness you can help bring to the table. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here as well, having this conversation with you. Yeah. So to ground ourselves in this moment, I can take us through just a quick guided meditation, just a couple of minutes to get started, if that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. All right. Just close down your eyes and become keenly aware of the present moment. Center into what is happening right here, right now. Feel your heart beating inside your chest. And your breath just flowing naturally in and out of your body. Let's just do a quick scan of the body from the tip of our toes all the way up the top of the head. How is this body doing today? How are you doing today? If you can, try to take a couple of deep breaths just to support the body with some fresh clean oxygen before we begin. Now you can set an intention for this coming 45 minutes. Whenever you're ready, you can wiggle your fingers and toes and come back. Mm -hmm. thanks for that natalia 
That was great. You're welcome. It's always one of those things that you don't know you need it as much until you just have it. You know, you can be having a solid day, doing everything right, but the excitement and energy of getting into your day, you're you're three steps ahead of where you actually are in that moment. Yeah. And sometimes we don't even notice, for example, how we breathe. During a normal day, we might not notice that we're breathing very shallowly. So we don't take those deep, deep breaths. Maybe we're a little bit busy. Maybe maybe we're running around. We might feel stressed. So the breath actually doesn't get to go all the way down to the belly, as we call it. And when we sit down just for a moment's meditation, then we become aware of these subtle little shifts. It's really wonderful. It's uh, similar to how we can carry tension in our bodies, like having our shoulders hunched up or uh, just tightness in our arms or our body, and we might not notice we're carrying it. It's interesting, you know, when someone can say, you know, relax your shoulders or allow your shoulders to fall down gently. It's like, oh, I didn't know they needed to, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. uh I love this idea of like the body as a lens into the mind, you know, like if you can relax your body, you can relax your mind as opposed to vice versa. I think a lot, maybe mm-hmm. sometimes if we're frantic, worried, or stressed, we'll try to relax our mind first, but we're still holding so much tension in the body that it it's not really happening. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is if we have a stressed body in fight or flight mode, then our mind will always try to find a reason. That's what it's for. It's here to bring solutions, to fix problems. So if our physical body are stressed in fight or flight mode, then there must be a reason in quotation and the brain will try to find a reason. And that's where paranoid thoughts come in. That's where stressful thoughts, anxious thoughts, they come in. So it's really interesting to look at what what starts the process of stress. Is it a mm-hmm. stressed body or a stressed mind? Or can mm-hmm. it be both, really? Mm-hmm. Right, right. It is kind of a circle with both there. Yeah. You know, regardless of where it starts, it's affecting both. Mm-hmm. And um, as a culture that can be, you know, in our in our heads and in our minds a lot throughout the day, as opposed to, you know, grounded and connected in the body, maybe we'll always try to fix it with the mind first, but you know, that body or the breath, which is that connection to the body mm-hmm. can, can be that thing that, you know, helps it in the direction that we don't always remember it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll try to fix it with our minds, but the problem is that the body plays such a big role in, when it comes to stress, that we can't just fix it with the mind. We can mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can support and get some momentary relief. For example, uh, I remember back when I had stress and anxiety, there was a lot of talk about positive um, psychology and mm-hmm. certain methods where you turn it around. So if you have a fearful thought, instead of thinking that thought, you just think the opposite thought, you know? So thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to die of a disease. You would think, oh, my God, I'm going to live until I'm 105. I'll never be sick. That was the idea. And it worked momentarily. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it would provide some some element of relief. But if we don't care about the body and the body's stress response, then the stress and anxiety will come back. Mm-hmm. Well said, because there can be a lot of maybe toxic positivity floating around. Maybe this idea of, no, if you have a negative thought, you need to switch it immediately. You can't allow it. Whereas I've found, you know, paradoxically, giving myself a chance to open to those feelings and allow them to be there without trying to change it. And just even just hold one breath where on the exhale, I'm not fighting with that negative thought does open up and provide some release and some relief um, strangely. Yeah. But, and that's been kind of a newer thing I've learned. So, yeah. but when you're seeing all these Instagram quotes around, like you need to always maintain a positive mindset, it's, it can be a really unrealistic pressure to put on ourselves. And like you say, a lot of times we can't get there if our body is, is in a stress response. It's not going to happen. You can't just go there through the mind. No, I mean, there is such a thing as toxic positivity. And it's very confusing because the thing that will actually make a bad feeling go away is not ignoring it is not not listening to it. It's actually the opposite, even though it might feel counterintuitive, even though it might feel really uncomfortable to sit with that sadness or that anxiety or whatever uncomfortable emotion someone has experienced. And it's very, it's very horrifying to sit with it for let's say 10 minutes, but that is actually how it's going to be released. The more we push it away, the more we just, um, cover it with positive positive thoughts or mm. affirmations or whatnot. Not that those things don't work, but but they can't fix um, something that we don't want to look at. We have to look at it first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. For me, the game changer was realizing like it was like not trying to change it. You know, that was that combination of words that made it click for me energetically. What I have to do in that moment, which is like take one breath without trying to twist it into something more positive. And yeah, that's been, that's been really interesting. You know, like you say, there is, there is a way through it and it, and it does feel counterintuitive. Definitely. Yeah. And, and I think what you're saying there is a, a lot, what mindfulness is about. It's about learning how to adapt a non-judgmental mindset when it comes to our own thoughts and our own emotions and our own growth and our own processes, which is very, very hard. It's not easy. When it comes Being to... with what is, is, yeah, it's one of the hardest things. We are all just running away from it, whether it be mm-hmm. through our phones, social media, watching movies, constantly uh, being engaged with friends. We have overworking, you know, each person has their own way of running away from their emotions and from mm-hmm. the present moment and being with what actually is for a reason, because it's very, very frightening. Mm-hmm. Especially if what is underneath is, you know, feelings of unhappiness or um, stress, resentment, fear. You know, you, you talk about stress, anxiety as being a part of your story. And that's something I'd, I'd like to explore a little bit further where 
you are on that path now, but also where you started and how stress, anxiety has played a role in your life and your journey to understanding it. Yeah. Yeah, the irony is that once we stop running, it actually, we realize that it actually feels better to go into that emotion we were fearing to feel than it does to keep running. Because to keep running is exhausting. It leads to complete burnout or some kind of substance abuse. Definitely, it does not lead anywhere good. And yes, my pathway into this line of work and self-development in general was having really severe stress and anxiety for more than 15 years. Um, I don't even know exactly how long because I do believe I had it as a child as well. I realized it when I was a teenager and I had no idea how to handle it. And um, it was very frightening. I would have panic attacks. I would, I would have a really bad memory because my mind was constantly occupied with thinking about whatever disease I was afraid of getting that I thought I had the symptoms of or um, the terror attack that I was afraid was going to happen on the metro ride home that day or whatever it might be that, that I was afraid of that day. Um, disease was a big thing for me for some reason. Um, but it could be anything. Because anxiety is anxiety. And at the end, you start being afraid of the anxiety. So you start having fear of anxiety because it's so uncomfortable to have the anxiety that you are afraid of putting yourself in situations mm -hmm. that could trigger the anxiety, which eventually led me to live a very isolated life where there were many things I couldn't do. Um, and at least if I did them, I would have to make sure that I had a lot of alone time or some, some tools or I didn't really have tools at the time, but I, I needed to kind of schedule my life around my anxiety. And there were a lot of things I didn't do because I was afraid. And there was definitely a lot of things that I didn't enjoy because of the anxiety. So that was really um, affecting my life in a huge, huge, major way. There just came a point in my late 20s, I think when I was around 27, 28, when I started being desperate. You know, I had gone to doctors, I'd gone to psychologists. Since I was 18, nothing had worked. All they had done was ask me if I wanted to go on medication or um, I went to a psychologist and she was like drawing, doing some kind of a sketch on a blackboard, trying to explain to me what it was. And it just didn't, didn't help. It was just intellectualizing it. And it didn't, again, like we spoke about, it didn't access what was going on in my body. It was more about, no, but can't you see it's a silly thought? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you get cancer? You're only 18. That doesn't work when you have anxiety for someone to tell you that because you know it's a silly thought. You know you're not supposed to have that thought, but you have that thought and you don't know what to do with it. So it really, nothing had helped me up to that point. So I was getting desperate. And at that time I wasn't into spirituality. I didn't know much about meditation. I don't think I'd ever tried it. And I was even in the science camp, you know, uh, when it came to spirituality. I, 
yeah, it hadn't interested me at all. <clears throat> but then I started researching and I found a lot of mindfulness exercises and different processes online. And I started trying to do some of those. And for the first time in my life, something actually seemed to give me some relief. And um, <clears throat> that, that led me to go on some kind of a scavenger hunt for alternative methods to, to relieve stress and anxiety, which led me to where I am today. <laughs> Since then, my life has been all about that because it really ended up healing my anxiety, this new approach to emotions in general, but also anxiety, understanding what we were talking about before, Alex, when you were mentioning that we need to feel it to heal it. We need to go through it instead of ignore it and push it down. Well said. There's a lot there that I'm curious about. Um, so I, I made like notes, like questions to ask you about that. One of them being in that moment when you were standing with that woman at the blackboard who was intellectualizing it, and and you're saying that doesn't work because, you know, I know it's a silly thought. What is it that would have helped in that situation? You know, what could she have done that could have helped you in that moment and can't help others who are in that situation? Yeah. Well, first of all, what would have helped was to center more into the body and not take the mind so seriously because the thing is during a day i think we have around six thousand thoughts it can vary a little bit we have many 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 thoughts during a day if we had to take all of those thoughts seriously as truths, mm. oh my goodness imagine the mayhem so so first of all really understanding that just because we think a thought it doesn't mean it's true so giving the mind less power because in, especially in Western society, we're brought up with giving the mind all of the power. Mm -hmm. We go to university, everything is about the mind and the power of the mind. And our success in life relies mainly on our mind for, for many of us, right? Unless we have some kind of, uh, we play sports or we are in some other field. But during our school years, that's how it is. It would have helped if she had told me a thought is just a thought, you don't have to believe it. Instead, find out what your body is trying to tell you. Find out what the anxiety is trying to tell you. And no, the anxiety is never, almost never, trying to tell you the thing that you're afraid of. <clears throat> so let's say you're afraid of getting um, cancer. The anxiety is almost never trying to tell you that you have cancer. But the anxiety is trying to tell you something about your life that is out of alignment. So we have to build a relationship with the anxiety and listen to it as if it were a separate person from us who is in distress. Hmm. And that's, yeah. With the example of being hmm. afraid of having cancer, could you take it even a step further? Like, how do you mean that the anxiety might be talking about something else? Or, or if you are treating it as a separate person in a way, mm. how might that conversation go next? Yeah. So that's the thing. This is also the process I do with my clients. 
which I've had really, really high success rate with because it doesn't, working with anxiety like this, it doesn't mean that you'll never feel anxiety again, but you're developing a different relationship with it because you're understanding it in a different way. Mm -hmm. So an example could be, um, okay, I'll, I'll use myself as an example, actually. Um, so I was very afraid of getting a disease of being sick. And the first time I started doing these kind of processes, I was going into the body, I was trying to physically feel how the anxiety was manifesting itself as a, you know, a nut in my stomach, tingling sensation in my chest, like a fire burning up towards my chest. That was the first step was to, it is to physically feel how it is in your body, not in your mind or your emotions, but in your body. And then you have to start asking the anxiety some questions. And we have to treat the anxiety not just as a separate person, but even as a separate, as a child. Because we cannot expect the emotion to want to immediately want to communicate with us. If you have been, imagine a child who's crying. If you have been ignoring the crying child for the past 20 years, and then suddenly one day you come and say, oh, now I'll listen to you. Yeah. What, what do you have to say? What's your message? Why would that child trust you? It wouldn't. So for many, it can even take some time for the anxiety to start or for the fragment of you, the part of you that feels the anxiety to trust you. Hmm. I never thought of that. It gets a little bit complex, hmm. but it's, it's a way of, it's very effective. And it's a way of understanding that there's a part of you who is in, in extreme distress. Okay. And that's why it helps to think of it as a separate person because you need to go to that crying. I'm going to keep calling it a child right now. Okay. It's the anxiety I'm talking about, but if you, you have to go to that child, you have to first with loving words, say, I'm really sorry. I haven't listened to you before. I'm here now. What do you need me to do? I can just hold you, visualize holding the anxiety, just comforting it. What's wrong? How do you feel? Basically doing all the steps we would do to console a crying child. And then eventually when the child feels safe, it might start speaking. And for me, I was very afraid of diseases. So let's say cancer. I was afraid of all kinds of diseases, you name it, all the big ones. Um, what I found out when my anxiety finally started talking to me was that I had made some life decisions that were very wrong for me and that didn't come from me, that I was living for, for everyone else. And the anxiety was feeling so abused, trapped, and not listened to because it, it had been trying to tell me for years that I was not listening to myself and making wrong decisions based on what everyone else wanted. So it was now screaming for my attention. So you can see how the message that the anxiety had for me was not about disease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was just my paranoid mind. The, the actual message was something else. And when I started listening to that message, the anxiety started to go away because it didn't have to scream anymore. 
to get my attention. You know, from then on out, the hard part is making those life decisions, making those scary changes. Do you feel that that requires a whole different set of coping skills or that when you are making those changes, however scary they might be, that things kind of heal themselves? Yeah, I would say it's a gradual process. It doesn't happen in one day. But once you start being consistent with yourself, when it comes to listening to your emotions, because this process that I just described as uh, seeing your emotional self as a separate person from you and trying to console that separate person from you and understand and um, listen to that separate person from you, once you really see and hear yourself in that way, it's very, very, very difficult to keep on going against that. Because oh, now you know better. Yeah. yeah. So some of the decisions that you have to make, they're going to be hard. I mean, for me, I had to leave my current relationship. I had to quit my job. Um, I actually left Copenhagen at the time. I went to Costa Rica to live in the jungle. So I might have been on the extreme end of the spectrum when it comes to making life changes, but it, that's what I needed to do. And when I started listening, it was it happened step by step. It didn't happen in one week, all of it. But I think you get encouraged along the way. Then you take one step and you realize it was hard, but actually I did this for me and it also feels really good. And then you have a little bit of encouragement to take the next step and then the next and the next. And so I just wanted to, to say that the reason why this process is so effective and, and why I have had not one, but many clients experience um, complete shifts after just doing it one time is because it's a whole new way of relating to your emotional self that you can take with you. So just understanding that we can be there for ourselves in that way and understanding that anxiety is never about what you're actually thinking about. Hmm. Of course, we can have worries. And fear is a natural emotion. If there's a lion in front of you, you should be afraid and you should run. But the thoughts themselves are not the main issue. So those thoughts should not be taken seriously. So let's say someone is sitting in front of you like I was getting back to your initial question about the psychologist. I was sitting in front of her. I was afraid of disease. So going deeper into my thought process about the disease is pointless going to lead nowhere because the anxiety is not even stemming from anything with that disease off more often than not it's stemming from something else hmm. that makes sense yeah yeah very interesting so when you talk about this process that you do with people where even just after one session you know it can really help people alleviate their anxiety and enter into a new way of relating with their emotions can you share a little bit about what this is? I know we were talking just before we got on air about it, but for anybody listening, if you could share a little bit more about what that entails, I think we already have an idea in terms of finding a way to relate to our anxiety in a nurturing way, taking care of it like uh, a, care a caretaker would take care of a child in distress. But yeah, if you could help give us the whole lay of the land in terms of even from there and what it looks like, it could be helpful for people because I know many people 
suffer from anxiety in some shape or form. Yeah, I can definitely do that. So the first step of this process, it's a mindfulness process. I would call it a mindfulness process. It's really good to have closed eyes and I, I guide my clients through this process. But to give you a step-by-step -step, uh, overview, the first thing we need to do in this process is we need the mind to understand that whatever it's telling us, it's not that important right now. That's the step number one. We need to stop giving importance to the mind. Mm -hmm. And we do that by going into the body and finding the physical symptoms of the anxiety and only thinking about that. Only focusing on, for example, anxiety can feel like, a, you know, like little raindrops all over our bodies or like a tingling sensation or mm. not in the stomach, like I said before. It can feel in many ways. Some people can even locate it and say, I feel the anxiety mostly in my left leg or it's mostly in my chest. Or So we'll do a different variety of mindfulness techniques to get into the body and then only staying in the body and whatever the mind says, we don't care. We don't care if it says you're going to die tomorrow. We don't care about the mind right now. We only care about the physical sensations. That's step number one. And then step number two is that we localize this anxiety and we allow it to take up space. We're not going to push it down. We're going to say, hey, I love you. Just grow bigger. Just give, like, come come, 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 grow bigger, and uh, really allow it to take up space in our emotional body. And then once it has grown really large, we're going to start talking to it. And depending on where the client is in the process, uh, we'll say some different things. The client has to do the talking themselves. Um, let's say a client whose anxiety doesn't even want to speak to them, and it's the first time they, they do any kind of mindfulness or meditation or anything like that, we might need to start by apologizing to the anxiety and saying, I know I've never been there for you. I know I've always hated you, and I still am trying not to hate you, but I'm here today because I really want to try to understand you. So we have to be real with ourselves and real with the anxiety as we speak to it as a separate person from us mm -hmm. and then we start giving some love to the anxiety and asking it how it's doing if there's any message many people start crying at this point uh, just because there's so much bottled up emotion because this emotional part of self has never been listened to it has been bullied it has been pushed down it has been told to just fuck off you know, basically, because we hate, if you have anxiety or any uncomfortable emotion, we want it to go away, right? Of course, we don't want to feel it like whenever we feel anxiety, we're like, get out of here. So there will usually be a lot of bottled up emotions. And, and then we'll console the anxiety. And eventually, when it feels complete, you know, then it's a conversation. And that conversation between you and the anxiety can go anywhere and for as long as is needed. And then once that feels complete, it's important to tell the anxiety, I am coming back here again. So you can leave me now because I promise you 
that I'm going to check in on you and see how you're doing. So you don't have to scream that loud. I've got it from here today. Hmm. Don't worry, I'll be back. That's really important because then the anxiety can actually leave knowingly that, Hmm. okay, you're not going to ignore me forever. In the beginning, again, the anxiety as a little child would be a little bit suspicious. The anxiety will be the same um, way. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, to put it step by step, Hmm. that's the process. And it's extremely effective. Wow. And from there, is there a, a grounding back into the present moment and where we're at? And a lot of times when we generate all this energy, intention, and insights in mindfulness or meditation, we can just open our eyes and immediately be, you know, great, that was a great experience. But that transition from that phase of information and insight into mindfully bringing that into the present moment can be a transition that is subtle and kind of nuanced and many people can miss out on myself included if I'm mm. if I'm not really present or attentive to it. And so I'd be yeah. curious as to how you might advise someone to take that next step and or, mm. or if if that's more so where your role as a meditation guide ends and then you're there to support through meditation as it comes up, but I'm curious yeah. about the integration into our life as the next step yeah the integration is really important so the first thing to know is that the client will be very emotional afterwards that's completely normal and different emotions can come up in the following days and even on the same day um the first thing i like to do is i like to get the client to pet their entire body from top to bottom might sound a little bit silly, but our bodies are just like little animals and just like a dog likes to be petted. Uh-huh. Our body reacts really positively to, yeah, hmm. getting clapped all over. So I do from, we do from top to bottom and we say, good job, body. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All hmm. the way down to the feet and the wow. toes. That's great. So just to, to appreciate, you can even, you can also just, um what's it called in english caress your arms or give uh yourself a hug um and then we have a talk we have a chat about it me and the client so there has to be enough time for that for us to have a conversation about it what they experienced and um yeah that's that's sort of the the grounding part of it Uh, as with any meditation coming back to the body after the meditation is important you had a great post on Instagram the other day, just expressing your love for the work you do, just sharing that you feel so happy to be doing this work. And it definitely shows, you know, you're somebody who having gone through that labyrinth and come out the other side is really keen to turn around and share what you've learned with other people because you understand how hard that journey can be. Thank you. Yeah, I really, it, it brings me so much joy to be able to help people in a way, in the way that I needed to be helped back then. And I mean, fortunately or unfortunately for me, no one was there to help me. <laughs> I had to do my own research. I had to go on YouTube. I had to learn mindfulness. I had to learn meditation. Um, but that's what led me here today. But back then there was there was no one guiding me. There was no therapist who taught me this process. There was, yeah, so it's just, it's such a joy for me to meet people who I see being where I used to be 
and being able to provide them with this tool that is a life-changing tool, at least it was for me, to start understanding emotions like this. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it really doesn't feel like work to me almost. It, it just feels like a lot of lovely people that I support in the best way possible that I can do, yeah. When you mentioned finding some of those first videos, at the very beginning of your journey, when you started saying to yourself, wow, I feel better. Like, I feel like something has changed. Do you remember what those videos were? What kind of exercises you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a combination of several things. I started learning meditation uh, on an app, the app Headspace. I'm sure you know it. Mm -hmm. I was, I was learning meditation on that, that app at the same, at the same time I was, I started listening to a spiritual teacher called Teal Swan and, uh, People have very many different opinions about her, but one thing that she really has gotten right, in my uh, opinion, is the way we relate to emotions and the way we understand our fragmented selves, Hmm. fragmented emotional selves. And then I stumbled upon, and the problem is I do not remember what the name was, but I stumbled upon a YouTube video of a man who was uh, who had recorded a process quite similar to what I do now, not the exact same, but he he did some sort of a mindfulness process where you also had to speak to the anxiety. And that was the first time I, I tried that. And when I did his um, video, I've been trying to find it now later wow. to, to see it, but I can now I can't find it anywhere. Um, and it was just like this random person, he he recorded this video and he was saying like, yeah, this is just something, it's my own thing. I'm not a professional. I'm just a guy with anxiety. And I tried doing this and it worked and I tried doing, doing that. And it was just, it was really, 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 um, groundbreaking for me. And then uh, eventually when I learned more and more and more, I kind of put the bits and pieces together from the different things that have helped me into this process that I now do. But I, I wish I could give, give credit to this guy because he helped me so much. Wow. And unfortunately my memory is still not uh, at its best. So I cannot remember his, uh, his name, but that was just, yeah. Somewhere out there in the universe, he feels your appreciation because he's a part you're, you are a part of his, continuation body, which is, yeah. I believe, a term Thich Nhat Hanh wrote about and talked about a little bit. This idea that we have many bodies, we have our spiritual practice body, we have our emotional body. Yeah. But talking about this idea of impermanence and the nature of all life to change, this idea of our continuation body, I can see okay. his presence in this work that you are doing and yeah. is very much a part of it. Wow, that's such a beautiful way of saying it. Yes, that's exactly how it feels. I mean, he definitely, he, he was just some random guy on YouTube, but he definitely helped me so much. And I'm sure he helped a lot of other people. So thank you out there to, <laughs> to whoever you are. And yeah. he continues to help people through you. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, his his spirit and energy that you know created that and gave it to the universe. You know, maybe... Who knows what might have happened to it, but um, 
there's definitely a continuation of that energy. It just shows yeah. that, you know, putting out something, even if it doesn't, you know, blow up on TikTok or get the Instagram mm-hmm. views, maybe that one person will find it who yeah. will resonate with it so much that it's carried forward in ways that you could have never foreseen. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. It's actually quite a beautiful story. He really changed my life and he's just some somewhere out there. I don't even know which country right. he might have taken down his wow. YouTube channel. You know, who knows? He just wow. changed my life. Yeah, wow. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, one idea I have for us as we kind of come near the end of, of our time here. Um, first, I wanted to ask, was there anything that you wanted to talk about or bring up today? that I didn't ask you about? Or is there anything that you feel is important in this conversation or context to share? I just want to say to anyone who is struggling from, it can be stress, anxiety, it can also be depression, it can be low self-worth, which is also something I really work with a lot. Um, Whatever emotions you're feeling, you won't be stuck there. You just have to learn how to handle your emotions, which is something we are not taught in school. We should be taught in school because none of us know how to handle our emotions unless we we really try to dig in and find the solutions ourselves or go to a professional. So I just want to say that if I can do it, so can other people. It's just about learning the right tools. So don't feel hopeless. There's definitely always a way, way to learn how to deal with any emotion you have in life and feel better. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And for anybody who is listening to this and is curious, you can check out Natalia on Calm Scholar. And she's also leading our weekly guided meditations periodically. I think you're doing it this week. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. And it'll be a great chance to meditate with you. They've been really fun so far. And, you know, it's been great to have some of the other coaches on and, and enjoying it too. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Well, now could be a good time to move into a meditation part of the program and really wherever you want to take it for our listeners. And it could be some abbreviated version or simple version of your process, obviously understanding that there's a lot more to it and it is interactive in nature. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, I think we'll, we'll do a meditation that centers around our emotional selves, just how to be with our emotions in a mindfulness process. So it will just be a short 10-minute 10 10 minute meditation that I'm going to guide you through. So you can all just close down your eyes, get comfortable, whether you are seated or lying down. Make sure your spine is straight. Just start by taking some deep breaths in and out. There's no wrong way to do this. Just breathe comfortably. Allow the breath to lead you into the body right now.
feel your chest as it moves slightly up and down. And tune into your senses. What do you hear? What do you smell? What do you feel? Now I want you to take your entire full attention down to your feet. Feel the soles of your feet. Feel your toes, your ankles, and send some gratitude down to your feet. Thank you for carrying me around all day, every day. Now move your attention up your legs to your knees. And just place your awareness here. There's nowhere to go. This is it. Now move further up to your thighs. Give gratitude to both of your legs. Feel your buttocks, the reproductive part, your stomach. Give gratitude all your intestines helping you digest the food you eat. Just be thankful for the body. It's helping you all day, every day. Now feel the chest, the shoulders, Feel your back all the way from the base of your spine to your neck. Now move to your arm, all the way down to your elbows, and eventually your hands and fingers. Give gratitude to this part of your body. Move up to your neck, your chin, your mouth, your cheeks, your nose, your eyes, your forehead, and your entire skull. Give a little bit of love and gratitude to this brain of yours. 
constantly thinking. It's doing its best. So now I want you to bring your awareness to the entire body at once. I want you to check in with yourself. How are you doing right now? How are you feeling today? And try to welcome whatever comes up with total non-judgment. Whatever feeling you have, don't shy away from it. Just welcome it and allow it to be there. See if you can identify a certain feeling that's stronger than the other feelings right now and focus in on that And instead of pushing the feeling away right now, allow it to grow even bigger and really take up space inside your body. Might be uncomfortable, that's okay. It's only for a moment. Just being present with what's going on inside of you right now is healing in itself. Witnessing your emotions, not being afraid of them, incredibly healing, will help you release the emotion. If you want, you can See if you can just console the emotion just inside your own head or ask the emotion some questions. It's up to you. Otherwise, you can just be with it and feel how it physically manifests in your body. Visualize that there's a bowl of white light inside your chest. It's shining like the sun. And inside this white light is love, compassion, just comfort. Now I want you to allow this white light to spread into all the cells of your body and console 
and comfort this emotion that you have right now. Just let it soothe. Let the beautiful white light stream all the way down to your toes, to your fingertips, all the way up to your brain. Let the love stream through your body in acceptance of what you've just been feeling. I want you to hold this light within your body. Let it energize you, remind you of how loved you are. Remind you that feelings are just meant to be felt. You don't judge them. You just love them and thank them for trying to guide us. Enjoy the feeling of this comforting white light in your body. Whenever you feel ready, you can slowly wiggle your fingers and toes. Move your body a little bit if you need to. Whenever it feels right, you're welcome to open your eyes. Just remember that we can really hold ourselves and we can learn to become our own parents, caregivers, comforters. It's really important that we know this. We're never alone because we can always be there for ourselves. So see if you can give yourself a little hug now. This is one of my favorite things, just to hug yourself really tight. You can even say, I love you. If that feels right. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. Thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome. And continuing to spread this type of healing work far and wide. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm just taking my time to come back as always, but good. You know, I think this is a nice note to end on here. A nice calming note, so Whoever you are listening, wherever you are, thank you for tuning in to the Calm Scholar podcast. You know, thanks for making it this far. <laughs> you should mm. be proud of yourself. And I hope that your day is even better and more wonderful because of this time that we've been able to share together. And so we thank you, Natalia. We thank you for those listening. And 
yeah, we hope you have a wonderful day.